0: Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's sing together.
1: Guys can be seated. Good morning, Kavanaugh. How's everyone doing? Good. I hope you guys are having an incredible holiday weekend. It's awesome to celebrate our nation's birthday, our independence. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm unashamed and super proud to be an American today. I am. All right. I'm so thankful for our freedom, my especially my religious freedom. I'm a little partial of that. Um, but man, but even more so, I am unashamed and proud to be a Christian and I'm so thankful for the cross and for Jesus. And today I get to celebrate all of those with you as my church family. So thank you for being here with us today. If you're a guest, thank you so much for, for joining us and online. So glad to have you too. But right now I'm going to ask God's blessing over our service and we're going to get right back into it, okay? Bow with me in prayer. Lord, I love you. And again, so thankful that you, can, that you have brought us all back together. I, I know we go in week in, week out, and, and, and our lives are so different and our schedules are kind of chaotic, but you bring us back to this place where we can come in, in, in unity and in and, and, and knowing you, God, and, and listening to the Word and surrounding ourselves with just amazing community, God, and I'm so thankful for that, that we have that freedom today. Lord, I pray as the Word is preached, you're with Brother Will as he, as he delivers this message. It's a powerful message today. Open our hearts and prepare us, Lord, because we want to be the very, very best that we can be for you. Lord, I lift up our country, and I lift up our nation. Just, we love you, and and again, so thankful for what you have given us and the privilege that we have here to be able to celebrate you freely. Lord, be with the rest of our services. We love you in your name. Amen.
2: I am so thankful for this country we live in and the freedom that we have to worship today. Would you join me in saying pledge to our flags over here? Let's start with the American flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now join me as we pledge to our Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Heavenly Father, I love you so much today and I'm thankful for the freedom that we have. The freedom that we have in this country to come and worship you and the freedom that you have given us through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. May we celebrate that freedom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remain standing. Let's continue to worship together.
0: in our country, that you do it again in our church, for everyone that's hanging on to some hope and a belief that you are who you say you are and that you can do the impossible. Father, please grant that today. Let us trust you. We just ask you, Father, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And we promise to give you praise and glory and honor for you are worthy of our praise. We love you. We're thankful to be in this place and to get to call on your name. We say all of this in the precious name of the one and only Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
2: You know, in in a country uh, that uh, I think has lost its value of freedom, I am certainly thankful for freedom today. Um, I'm proud to be an American, but uh, more than that, I'm proud of the freedom Jesus gives us. And uh, typically, if uh, July 4th falls on a Sunday, I'm going to preach a a sermon about uh, independence or freedom or America, but not today. Today. Because I'm in a series on the ten values that God wants us to hold dear as families, and I'm going to stick with those values today. Uh, but you know what? Our our country and our families need to get back to the foundation of what God values. Uh, we are adrift as a nation, and that adriftness has begun in families. The devil is attacking families, and not just families in the world. He he has his. I said, on Christian families. And families within churches are fragmenting and dissolving and falling apart. So we need these values of God to get us back on His firm foundation. And so we're going to continue with the 10 values for strong families. And before I jump into it, I want to pray. Here's what I want to pray. I'm going to pray that my head, my heart, and my mouth... (laughs) are all in unison with the holy spirit of god and that that what i say on the outside hits your heart the way god intends it to hit your heart i'm going to talk about some uh, socially controversial issues today but we're going to look at them from a biblical perspective and let's pray right now that god's spirit would have his way in our service, that, that, that you would not get mad or be offended, but that you would receive the Word of God as it is given. Amen. And it's given out of a heart of love today, all right? Heavenly Father, please guide us through this passage. Help us to understand your truth and what you value. And dear Lord, I know you value human life, and I pray that we would value life as well. As I speak on the outside, may the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts the word of truth. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Today we have come to commandment number six. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. It's a very simple commandment. It only has four words to it. Read them with me. You shall not murder, period. You shall not murder. Now, I know some of you are saying, oh, we could just skip this one, preacher. Uh, probably your, your urge to murder someone doesn't happen often. Uh, m- maybe just at noon on Rogers right in front of Chick-fil-A, All right, <laughs> If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my guess is within our church family, we, we don't have 12, maybe 15 at the most professional hitmen. Uh, in the church. that's supposed to be a joke, so uh, laugh at it. So not a whole lot of you need this message. You think. You think. Uh, Clarence Darrow was a, a famous uh, lawyer years ago. He said something I, I, I really enjoy sharing with you. He said, I haven't killed anybody, but I've read a whole lot of obituaries with glee. Uh, You don't think it's as funny as I do. But did you know by the time the average American child has hit the 6th grade, they have seen over 10,000 murders on TV or video games? They have watched over 100,000 acts of violence. Every 22 minutes in America, someone is stabbed, shot, beaten, or strangled to death. More kids die from violence in America today than they do from illness. When you look at this verse, thou shalt not murder, that seems like a very straightforward commandment. But church, you you need to understand, actually, it is misunderstood, misapplied, misappropriated, and misinterpreted. So this morning, I just want to share with you from the Word of God what this Sixth Commandment means, and what this Sixth Commandment does not mean. And let's start with that second statement first. What does this commandment not mean? Well, the Sixth Commandment is not prohibiting killing animals. All right? We're going to start with one that may, you may think it's kind of easy. It, it's really not. You may think it's not a big deal, but for some people it is a big deal. The Bible is very clear about the difference between human life... In animal life. In the Bible, many times God commanded in the Old Testament that animals be sacrificed to the Lord. Now, let me just stop right here and and say this, which applies to everything I will say this morning. One of the things you need to know is that God never contradicts himself. He's never going to say one thing in Scripture and then say something opposite to that in another place. And you interpret an unclear passage with a clear passage. In many places in Scripture, it's very clear. God says it's okay to kill animals. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, he says, "...everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants..." I now give you everything, okay? So chickens and cows and pigs, God gave to us to eat. And again, some of you are kind of snickering to yourself, preacher, why are you making a big deal of it? Well, for some people, it is a big deal. I remember when it was first made a big deal to me, 1972. I was at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland. It was a Sunday night. Uh, We were there for Christian training service, what we called CTS. My Aunt Pat Cates was training us in in Bible sword drill and Bible tic-tac-toe. And we had just started the class when a young lady in the class, a couple of years older than I was, announced to the class, I have become a vegetarian. Vegetarian. And that was interesting. I was just a, you know, a young boy. I really wasn't sure what a vegetarian was. And somebody asked her, well, why did you make that decision? To which she said, I don't want to break the Sixth Commandment. I don't want to murder chickens or cows. And so I've become a vegetarian. Well, needless to say, we didn't do anything else in CTS that night except talk about... <laughs> The, the meaning of the sixth commandment. I'm saying all that to say to you, you don't have to be a vegetarian unless you want to be a vegetarian. Because the Bible does not command it. It's okay to eat animals for food. Are you with me? Yes. All right? What does this commandment not mean? Well, it's not prohibiting the killing of animals. Number two, it is not prohibiting capital punishment. Many times in Scripture, God commands capital punishment for certain crimes he says it is worthy of the death penalty in the very next book the book of leviticus chapter 24 this is what god says anyone who commits murder shall be put to death and the principle that he established is for a life now understand in in god's justice system Everything has to be done the correct way. There had to be a trial. There had to be at least two witnesses who saw the murder or who could testify that this person killed another person. The principle is a life for a life, and it's very clear. God says there are some things like murder that demand the death penalty. Now, guys, I know this is a hot-button issue. Even within Christianity, there are some who say that capital punishment is wrong that that we don't believe in and i'm not here to debate that this morning what i am stating to you is the fact of scripture god gave the command thou shalt not murder in the book of exodus and in the very next book of the bible god says if someone takes someone else's life it's a life for a life they are to be put to death and no matter what your feelings are about capital punishment the commandment is not prohibiting capital punishment, okay? Amen. You might say, well, where, do, where does free will Baptist stand on this issue? It, it is a hot topic issue. Where do we stand? Well, there have been two occasions at our national convention, which will convene again this year here in a couple of weeks, that free will Baptists have passed resolutions in support of capital punishment. The very first time we did that was in 1972. I think it was in the city of Detroit, Michigan. There was a resolution brought to the floor standing affirming capital punishment. It was unanimously voted in. And within the resolution, it requested that that resolution be sent to the President of the United States, to the leaders in the House and the Senate, to the president of the Republican and the Democratic Party, to all Supreme Court justices, to all media outlets, that we as a denomination affirm capital punishment. That, that has never been rescinded. In fact, on multiple occasions, it has been reaffirmed. And again, it doesn't matter what you think about it. This is what Scripture is talking about. This commandment, thou shalt not murder does not prohibit capital punishment. Number three, it is not prohibiting going to war. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8, there is a time for war. God is saying there are some things that are worth fighting for. There are some things that are worth dying for. When is it right to fight? Okay? It is right to fight in order to preserve freedom. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful there was a group of people back in 1775 and 1776 who said, no, we want freedom, and we're going to fight for freedom. It's right to fight in order to defend innocent people. It's right to fight to stop the spread of evil. One of my favorite quotes is, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Right. Hmm. So he's not talking about that. So what in the world is he talking about? When he says in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not murder. And what in the world does that have to do with my family? Some of you are sitting here you know, thinking, I have felt like killing my kids but I've never actually done it. Did you know and realize that the very first murder in the history of the world happened in a family? Cain killed his brother. In fact, today, most violent crimes and most murders occur between family members. So how, how does this commandment apply to my family? What in the world is God saying? Why is this a value that relates to my family? Well, the bottom line is this. Human life is a value. God values human life. And because God values life, God says no to suicide. God says, please, don't do it. Did you know that right now today, suicide is the number two killer among college-age students in America? It is the number three killer among high school students. There are more kids who are killed by suicide than they are killed in traffic accidents. And God is pleading with you, don't take your own life. I've heard people say, well, it's my life, and I have the right to live it, and I have the right to end it. God says, no, you don't. I gave you your life, and I, have, I am the only one who has the right to take it away. In fact, you, you need to understand you don't own your own life, and you don't own the right to take your life. You are not your own boss to live and to die as you might choose. Where am I coming from when I say that? Well, I'm coming from the Bible. The Bible says you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. The Bible says that even before you were born, God predetermined the number of days that you were going to live. Look at what it says in Job chapter 14. The length of a man's life is decided beforehand. The number of months he will live. You, God, and you alone, God, have settled it. God is saying, I have decided the number of days you're going to live... And I don't want you short-circuiting that. I think most of us in this room, probably 90% of us, at different times have felt despair enough to think, is life worth living? I mean, if if you're just going to be honest, you've, you've probably at least thought that. If you have considered, or if this moment you are considering suicide, I want to say to you from the bottom of my heart, there's hope for you. You matter to God. God made you for a purpose. God cares about you. And he can help you out of whatever despair you find yourself in today if you've been thinking my life is not worth living know that you matter to God and know that there are people in this church who care about you and are willing to help you and talk with you and just just let you know that that they're here for you if, if you'll just let them know that you're having trouble in your life, they're going to talk you out of the darkness that you're in to see the sun of the light of day again. God says no to suicide. Number two, what does this commandment mean? Well, God says no to mercy killing. The technical term for this is euthanasia. It, it is the causing... Death of someone because of deformity or because of age or because of some kind of incurable disease. What we are not talking about here is a life support system keeping someone alive who is already deceased and you and your family deciding to pull that plug. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is the causing of the death of someone either because of inconvenience or because you don't think that their life is worth living anymore. And God is saying to us, you don't have the right to make that decision. Look at Job chapter 12, verse 10. It is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Every man's life is in his, God's, power. Only God has the right to determine when I should stop living. He's chosen that for me, and he's chosen that for you. Now, again, you might be sitting there, why why are you talking about this, preacher? Well, this is a very relevant issue. The euthanasia issue is relevant in our world today. There there are numerous countries who have adopted this and who practice mercy killing or euthanasia. It it has been a hot-button topic in America and continues to be that. The euthanasia issue would authorize and legalize doctors or someone else to put to death people who they don't believe have the right to live anymore. Again, it's not talking about a life support system, keeping one of your loved ones alive when they've already died. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone else deciding, you know what, that person doesn't deserve to live anymore. They've lived here. It's kind of like an old dog. Let's put them out of their misery. You might think, preacher, well, you know what? It's happened before. Not, not too awful long ago, there was a man who made the decision who should live and who shouldn't live, and he carried it out. His name was Hitler. Let, let's not let that happen in our world again. Well, what does this mean? This commandment, thou shalt not murder. Well, God says no. He says no to suicide. God says no to mercy killing. And God says no to abortion. And guys, I, I understand there there is a small percentage of people who medically need that to happen and that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about the 97% of people who demand abortion simply because it's not convenient for them to have babies right now let me share with you what the Word of God says in Psalms 139 the psalmist says for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them came to be. What he's talking about here is a baby in its mother's womb he says you created me you saw me before anyone else saw me God you saw me in that that deep dark place you saw me because you formed me God is saying that a person inside of the mother is not some blob of tissue he says I have even planned every day of your life before you were born. Other passages of Scripture say that God even knows your personality before you are born. From a human viewpoint, we may have unplanned pregnancies, but there are no accidental conceptions. Maybe we didn't plan it. Maybe it even came as a result of some kind of evil but there are no accidental conceptions. God says, I planned it. I numbered the days of that child before it was even born. I know what that child is like. I put it together with its genetic capabilities in its mother's womb. And God has a plan for every child that is born. Even though we might not want that child or we might not have a purpose for them, God does. God says it's not a piece of tissue that is the fetus. It is a life that I have planned. The the psalmist says, all of my days were numbered before I was even born. So... Logically, think about this. If, if your na- days are numbered before you are even born, abortion is the ultimate short-circuiting of God's will. You, you know how shocking the statistics of abortion are. 26% of all pregnancies in America end in abortion. One out of four. Since 1973, there have been 61 million abortions in the United States of America. That, that, that is more than the death total of all of our wars put together. Did you know that every year between four and 500 aborted babies live after they've been aborted? They continue to live. 97% of abortions are not because of race or incest or because of the mother's life being threatened but that is a whole other subject but simply because the mother or the parents feel inconvenient in fact the two top reasons that people choose abortion is because number one they don't think they can afford a baby right now and just kind of as a funny side note you can never afford a baby or the second reason, we're not ready for a baby. God says it's wrong. Now, I understand all the arguments. I've heard them all. There's the argument, no child should be brought into this world unwanted. I say the fallacy of that is maybe the parents don't want that child, but God does. Yeah, he does. There is no unwanted child. God wants that child born. That's why he allowed the conception. I know this is a hot-button topic, is it not? In our culture today, politicians have taken a hold of this one, and they're having a field day with it. And I would say, just standing over here to the side thinking, probably every family in this church in one way or another has been affected by abortion. Can I tell you the good news? The good news is no matter matter what has happened in your family or what has happened in your past, God's grace is sufficient to forgive whatever sin you've committed. And if you repent Just like any other sin, God can forgive. Did you realize that the biggest part of the Bible was written by three men who were all murderers? Moses, David, Paul. They all took the life of someone else. But they came to God in repentance. And you know what they received? They received the grace of God. Guys, This is the message of grace. Today, it doesn't matter so much what has happened in your past. What matters is what direction your feet are pointed in right now. And God's grace is sufficient. God can heal. God can forgive. God can restore. And I want you to know, look at me. Look at me. You matter to God. You matter to God in your conception and your birth was not an accident god planned you god made you god has a purpose for your life he wants you to know him and he wants you to know that he loves you he wants you in his family and when you accept his son jesus christ and you get in touch with god You know the Heavenly Father as your Father. And all of a sudden, life takes on new meaning. And you understand what real freedom is all about. Let's be truthful. We've all made mistakes. If you've ever made a mistake, would you raise your hand right now? Okay. if, If you didn't raise your hand, brother, wake up. Because all of us have. And the Bible affirms that. The Bible says, for all have sinned. That means me. That means you. That means every one of us. We've all done things that we've regretted. The good news is that God can bring good out of bad, even out of bad choices, even out of dumb decisions. God does not cause evil. He's not the author of evil. A lot of it we bring on ourselves. A a lot of it other people cause in our lives. But God does not cause evil. But he is the only one who can turn evil into good. He is the only one who can bring good out of something that is bad. And if you will give him the broken pieces of your life, he will put those broken pieces back together. And he will give you inner peace in your heart. What a great God we serve. Human life is of value to God. And and, and we come to the end of my sermon. It's about over. There's always a mumbling, amen. And you might be sitting there thinking, whew, man, I've dodged a bullet today. None of that has applied to me. Get ready, because this last one will. Because human life is a value, God says no to hate. We've been in Exodus chapter 20, haven't we? Commandment number six, thou shalt not murder. Let's transport that to the New Testament and see what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not, commandment number six, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. The wow, wow, wow. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 takes the sixth commandment to a whole different level. It, it is a territory that many people want to avoid, right? Right? Jesus taught that murder actually begins in the heart with a spirit of anger and bitterness. So here's the deal, and listen to me clear and, and plain. If you've got a problem with someone, whether they be a friend or a foe, whether they be a neighbor or a family member, the biblical admonition to you is, before the sun goes down, you make things right. You might ask, you mean to tell me that I can murder somebody without pulling the trigger or sticking the knife in them? I'm here to tell you Jesus is telling us that murder begins in the heart. You tell me, how many families do you know of that are divided by anger and bitterness and hatred? Maybe yours. The principle in the Bible is to forgive and to restore. And you tell me, how in the world is God going to be able to forgive you if you are not willing to forgive those who have ought against you? I will admit this is a hard saying. In fact, I've got a book in my library, The Hard Sayings of Jesus. This is number one. This is a tough saying, but I'm here to tell you God means business. God will forgive if there is repentance, but you must take the first step, and that means that you have to release all of your anger and all of your bitterness and forgive. And I can't think of a better time or place for that to happen than right here In church on July 4th 2021 you need to be set free because anger and bitterness will ruin your life Jesus can set you free and that can happen at the altar you need to bring your family and receive his forgiveness And his freedom. And if there is anger or bitterness or bad feelings in your home, you need to make that right today. Let me tell you something, folks. Life is way too short to go through it in a struggle with the people who are closest to you. So forgive, forget, and be restored. And I think for our families today, we need to come and ask for God's grace and his forgiveness. In his mercy in our homes. So dads, will you bring your families and pray for that? And I'm also asking for you church members to come and pray for this country we live in. I tell you what, we need God back on the throne. We need to be on the word of God as our foundation. And that begins by you submitting to his authority in your life. Heavenly Father, would you please have your way in our lives and in this service lord this is a this is a tough a tough commandment a lot of controversial issues that we've talked about this morning lord i just pray that our hearts would be softened by your holy spirit that we would be submissive to your will in our life and dear lord if there is anger or bitterness or sin in our life i pray that we'd bring it to you today and receive your forgiveness. Restore families. Help, help our people to come and pray for our country, Lord. America needs prayer today. We need revival, and our land, and our families, and our church. Help that to begin in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Would you stand reverently with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Praise team is just going to sing a verse of invitation. These altars are open. And if you need to come and pray or would like to come and pray, I'm inviting you to come right now. As God leads, would you come? amazing church and these wonderful people. Lord, we're just all sinners who have been touched and forgiven by the grace and blood of Jesus. Thank you for that. And help us to extend that same grace and forgiveness and love to others. In Jesus' name we pray. When I started this series. I thought, Wow, what a great little summer series! Ten values to strengthen families. These are tough. And if you think today was tough, come back next Sunday. Come back next Sunday. But you know what? I don't care what our politicians say, or what culture says, or counterculture says. This is the value we need to stand on. It is not popular today, but it will save your soul. Thank God for that. Hey, I I, I love you. Do you know that? I love you and I care for you. And I speak the truth to you because I love you so much. So let's love each other. Let's extend God's grace and forgiveness to each other. We need that grace. Amen? Amen. We need that grace. Don't have a lot of announcements. In fact, only one is when you walk out of these doors, make sure you drop your offering in that little black box or you can give online. I love you, but God loves you more. Have a great 4th of July. Eat some ice cream for me, would you? You're dismissed.